0: up everyone welcome to the benji show i changed the name from hacking the hustle and today's guest is quez vasquez how you doing quez doing quite well my friend how are you doing today it's so awesome to have you on the show we met at nft nyc back in the day a few weeks ago which seems like ages and we hit it off for those listening quez was the the star of the show, everybody loves him, everybody knew him. He was such a ball of energy, and he is the founder of Quez Gaming, which is an eSports organization that is where NFTs and eSports combine. I'll let him explain it. So let's kick it off, Quez. Tell us a little bit about how you got into eSports and NFTs.
1: First and foremost, that was just ridiculously kind of you for saying that. Thank you so much. Um, yes. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, I will say to start, the... Okay, I'm sorry, can you repeat the question again? <laughs> yeah, no problem.
0: The question is, t- tell us, let's talk about, you know, well, let's change topics and talk about the NFT community. Because in my eyes, I see you as an active member in the space. You're a part of the community. You understand what it's all about. So tell us for those two people who aren't in the NFT community, why should they be
1: interested? And
0: tell us your insights on how the NFT community is
1: growing right now. Sure. That's a great question. Um So my lens on the NFT community has kind of come as a result of being uh, part of this space for uh, a little, un- a little over a year now. Uh, I got involved about very early in 2021 in January via a, uh, project I guess it's a lot bigger now. Now it's a whole platform known as NBA Top Shot. Mm-hmm. And in those days, uh, I had no idea what an NFT was, despite the fact that I had been a, I guess you could say, a crypto native individual since uh, 2016, 17. Um, but, you know, during those times, I was just a broke college kid. So I didn't necessarily have like money to, to throw in, you know, even, even when Ethereum was 90 bucks. Uh, but I digress. Um when I when I got in and I became, I guess you could say, like a member of the you know NFT world, um, I think for a lot of folks, kind of the thing that attracted them in at that time was the fact that there was a lot of financial incentive and there was a lot of uh, opportunity to walk away with more money than people had probably seen in such a short amount of time. Um, I will say that that did two things. One, it it vastly accelerated The adoption, you know, folks were coming in because, wow, I just saw my homeboy bought a a moment for five bucks and then he sold it for 500. Like, where else are you going to see that kind of return? So, you know, a lot of eyes, a lot of attention started coming in as a result. However, on the other side of the the coin, um, it kind of. It kind of created a really uh, negative tone about NFTs. In that, okay, if I get into NFTs, I will make money. Or if I get involved in NFTs, it only has to do with me, uh, you know, trying to make money. And what I learned as a result of being, you know, a member of this space for a while is that, yeah, you know, there there is a lot of life-changing money that's circulating around, but it's so much bigger. It's so much bigger than just a financial incentive. And I think for folks who are from the outside looking in, there's a lot of a lot to be attracted by when it comes to uh, monetary gain. However, I think there's more to understand in terms of the underlying technology, and that's an area that I've been focusing on a lot for uh, pretty much the last year. I've, I've studied, so I've been studying uh, more more so how blockchain works, right, and uh, what what it means to have NFTs or really these digital assets, whether that be you know, people like to consider it just art right now, but it could be a multitude of things. We could look at documentation, contracts, uh, uh, artwork is one. Music is going to be a very interesting uh, uh, component to look at. Ticketing. I mean, there's just a lot of very, it's it's funny for me to say clear use cases, but I think from, you know, the outside looking in, maybe these are things that folks don't consider. For example, I, I don't see a uh, the real estate market, for example, I don't see your deed being stored as a physical piece of paper anymore. The the deed to your house will be an NFT. And when it comes time to sell that house or you want to buy a house, uh, you will be able to prove that you are in fact the owner of that household by uh, showcasing your NFT for that house.
0: I love that you just brought that deed reference because I just bought my first house. No shit! Hey! Hey, congrats. And, And the lawyer on closing day handed me a piece of paper and he said, don't lose this. This is your deed. This is your contract to ownership. Do not lose it. This is the only copy. And it just made me think about NFCs and how if this was a smart contract, if this was ledgerized, it would be unloseable. You wouldn't have to worry about it. Yeah. yeah. It's an obvious.
1: I mean, God, like God forbid something bad happens, you know, a, a, a fire comes around. I mean, I'll tell you this, like in, in my area, there every now and then we have fires. And I've had a few friends who have lost their homes to a fire and i think and while it's shitty by the way am i allowed to curse no of course okay and while it's i'm I'm sorry while it's unfortunate that the house is gone i think what at at least when when i when i've been on the other side like listening as my friends tell me about uh, you know this very negative experience one of the things that stands out to me is that man i lost everything inside the house Mm -hmm. that's more so what they care about yeah. And, uh, you know, you have your your deed sitting somewhere in the attic or wherever it is. I don't know what people with security measures are nowadays. Hopefully it's something safer than that. But, uh, you know, house burns down. So does the deed. You lose the deed. It, it, like, how do you prove that you're, in fact, the owner? Oh, right, right, of, we'll
0: cut you off. I want to talk about esports.
1: All right? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Like I said, man, I'll get into some tangents here. So uh, I, I apologize I about, about that.
0: What, what is your company's vision?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you actually asked me earlier how I got into eSports and uh, just like, I guess, a quick background on that. Um, and, and so that way I could kind of show you where I think this, where the vision of Quest Gaming is going. Um, I got into eSports because for a long, long time, like many other people probably in in our generation, you know, they, they were raised playing video games. And for a long time, you were told that uh, video games is pretty much a waste of time. There's no real value in, in uh Spending a lot of your time uh, trying to hone your craft, get better, be more competitive, whatever. And uh, esports, you know, the the professional gaming atmosphere has since put that entire stigma on its head, um, and we saw that tremendously with the rise of uh, games like League of Legends, Fortnite, in particular. I think was a huge, huge um, catalyst for esports adoption, um, and then many others. Mm-hmm. And now you saw, the like you know, when I was 13 years old, uh, mom and pop were yelling at me for playing Call of Duty for too long. And 13-year-olds today are, and again, like I, I think this is very exciting. It kind of shows a, a, a change. But 13-year-olds today, their parents are, offer, are are willing to get coaches to help their kids become better players so that that way they have an opportunity to compete. So it's nice to see the, the, the stigma is starting to change. Uh, But I I think that we still have quite a long way to go. So uh, So there's coaches, there's coaches for esports. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Even the most professional players in the world are, are being coached. Um, And again, I apologize if that's something that I I, I consider to be common knowledge, but yes, for, for, uh, for our audience here, there are on, on the world's biggest stages, coaches sitting behind both teams that are going against each other and the amount of, Money that revolves in that space again, not not because it's not because it's like artificial or pumped or anything, it's like the amount of money that goes into honing a professional gamers is quite extravagant. Fun fact um, if you're looking at a team like 100 Thieves or Optic Gaming or Phase Clan, those are probably like the three most notable esports organizations in the world. Um, for any of them to want it wanted to enter cdl which is the call of duty uh professional league uh a a franchise spot just for you to compete against the other 12 teams franchise spot costs you about 25 mil wow. 25 million that is for you to enter the stage that has nothing to do like that doesn't include your team that doesn't include your coaches your training travel lodging uh uh equipment there's there's a a lot that goes into it and that's again also without even considering content creation or apparel and uh Mm. i guess what we consider the traditional pillars of of an esports organization well i
0: would say i'm at 101 rookie level for understanding what's going on in esports and i assume so is my audience so can you teach us what's going on in esports and where what are the platforms and what are the trends going on right now
1: what do we need to know Sure. Um, what do folks need to know about eSports? Well, um, eSports is demystifying the, like I said earlier, the word stigma, the stigma around if you play video games, you're wasting your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, when that goes, whether you are a five-year-old who's just now getting exposed to Fortnite or a 46-year-old who has long been a, a passionate gamer for you know, most of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, Esports is now offering a new avenue for individuals to to consider a, a a professional career in the world of gaming, and for many that sounds like a dream and perhaps too good to be true. But opportunities for these kind of things are popping up left and right every day. Why? Many new esports organizations are popping up. So we see all the way at the top. I mentioned three uh, three major organizations, which is space Clan, Hundred Thieves, and Optic. Mind you, that's my personal viewpoint. Some other folks will argue that other uh organizations are are above or below whatever but those those three te- technically have three pillars to their organization the first is the competitive side and that's where they that's where a lot of the money is being spent in signing players coaching them strategizing uh going to the IRL um land tournaments that's a local area network uh, land tournaments and competing against each other so you know we'll see on a majors stage, uh, Optic Gaming versus Phase Clan uh, in a game like Halo, Halo Infinite that just came out uh, and their professional league known as HCS, the Halo Championship Series. Uh, and, you know, like for a lot of folks who were in esports, which was once known as MLG, Major League Gaming about 10 to 15 years ago, to see these organizations that are about 10 years old, phase and, and Optic go head-to-head in a game that they played 10 years ago, now again on a big screen uh, w- with all the attention around esports right now. I don't know. It's like a, a very inspiring feeling, kind of showing that there's there's opportunity for anyone that's that's willing to put in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, it won't come easy. It's uh, a lot of stress, but the opportunities are there for folks that want to take it. So I'm, just before I continue on, does that – does that provide a bit of a primer in terms of the esports pillar? Definitely. Now tie it into NFCs. Before I do, there's also the content pillar. And that's where we see people on Twitch, Facebook, gaming, YouTube who are essentially live streaming uh, any particular like it, it could be a content around a particular game. So maybe they play a lot of Warzone, they play a lot of Halo and they're kind of capturing their experiences, their training, whatever it is. Some people do podcasts live on Twitch. There's like There's a lot of uh, things that that can be monetized in that pillar. And then lastly is apparel. So you want to represent the organization. That's also another stream of income for esports orgs.
0: Hmm.
1: Now, as I mentioned, these are the three, and it's so funny to to use the term traditional in in a rather emerging space. But uh, in this emerging space, there are those three traditional pillars. And what's interesting now is uh, NFTs, to kind of tie this in, is offering a brand new dynamic for content creators and competitors alike, as well as the eSports org, to essentially offer to their audience a meaningful way to connect with them, to offer them access to to whether maybe that's a a specific player, offer them access to stream side by side with a professional streamer that's signed to the organization. Maybe it's to kind of get discounts on certain apparel. Like we see that by... By offering someone a fan, we can call offering a fan an NFT. That NFT could really become a multifaceted asset that gives that person more uh, value outside of just saying I'm a hundred Thieves fan. I'm an optic gaming fan. It's right. like okay, you're you're that, but what do you have to show for it? At the very least, you know, assuming that NFTs get introduced into the space, which uh, one that's one of the things that I, I look to lead with Quest Gaming. Um, where you know we're a very small organization, still growing, but I, I think that there's going to be um, a lot of attention placed on us because of this new dynamic that I've, I've kind of uh, been thinking about. You know, I spent a lot, a lot of time, like probably the last eight months, just studying, trying to figure out where does NFTs make sense for esports, and I think I've thought of some really cool stuff. Some Love additional. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll actually u- use that as a segue. There are two, I'm, I'm going to give my shout outs here. There are two other um, projects that I've come across that are kind of doing a very interesting spin on esports, and they're, they're calling it D sports as in decentralized esports. Um, those two organizations are known as blockchain badlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a kind of a smaller group there that are using They're using their 10K generative art project, those 10K NFTs, as a way to raise funds to get community members access to professional uh, stages. So in this case, um, you know, like they might offer like a $50,000 grant for five players to go out and compete in California. I don't know. It's just an example there. Mm -hmm. The other organization is known as Blackhand. And Blackhand is very intriguing to me. Um, one of, they're doing two things. The 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 biggest thing that I've seen is their token. So much like how we saw recently with the decentralization of ENS, they were a, uh, I guess one could argue, a semi-centralized entity for the last four years. But because they want to make it like in, in the ethos of Web3 of everybody being, uh, uh, having access, everyone having a say, having power, I shouldn't say power, but like Voting rights, right? Voting power in um, in use of this service. What they've done is they decentralized and based on, I guess you could say, power users versus speculators, i.e., people who are actually leveraging their ENS as opposed to people that maybe bought ten ENS domains uh, for speculative reasons. um, They were they essentially rewarded ENS tokens, Uh, and then again, like those maybe a month and a half. That was that was a month and a half, two months ago now. And when that, when that drop happened, uh, people were essentially given the responsibility of determining what directions that uh, the ENS service would take. To apply that to, to esports and what Blackhand is doing, I think the idea is that when you, when you give tokens to the community or the community is essentially buying their tokens, and these tokens are then used as voting power, governance, what, what have you, um, they're able to essentially dictate what direction the esports team or the org will go. So maybe they're interested in signing five players, and they cast a vote on which five players that they want to sign. Well, if you have a hand token, you can uh, use that token as a vote for a certain player. And again, this is all—I'm not affiliated with them. I'm just—I'm just in. Uh, an admirer of kind of what they've done. I, I think they're, they're putting a really good foot forward. Um, and personally, I will, I, I've, I've said it to the owners before. I, I think I will offer competition to them in a healthy way, right? Uh, competition to them in, in kind of the directions that Quest gaming will take. Wow.
0: So, so tell me, tell, where's, where's Quest gaming going? What is Quest gaming?
1: So Quest gaming is an organization I started back in 2020 Um, February, pretty February 7 2020. Crazy how time flies. Um, At that time, it started as really just an apparel company, I really was uh, interested in kind of becoming a business owner, I'd wanted to be a business owner. And uh, I I saw there was a bit of a hole in the esports industry in uh, in apparel, specifically, just to quickly find out that I didn't do enough research. And I kind of got punched in the face. um, Lessons learned, right? I then pivoted once into, at that time, pivoted into, okay, no, we're going to be a proper esports organization. And then again, adopting those traditional pillars, the um, esports content and apparel. Great. That kind of kept going for a while. And while I was streaming myself, I noticed that there was a lot of individuals kind of coming in and like forming a community. And I would say in that year, maybe like a little less than a hundred people came in and said, wow, like, you know. Uh, Christian Quez I love what you're doing here man you have my support Mm -hmm. but again right like what what does that actually mean like their support you know as a as a as a friend as a a member in the discord like it's it's something but I, I guess there's nothing tangible that either that both ways right that I can give to them nor that they can get to me I either have to sell them something right like whether that be uh Tickets to an IRL event, maybe that is uh, apparel, whatever, right? Like, I, I, it's still the, the, the layout such that, okay, um, you know, you have to monetize your community. That still exists at, at that time. Come the end of 2020, heading into 2021, like I said, I kind of learned about NFTs. And I was like, man, like, I, I, I don't know enough about this. So I really want to learn more. And I just kind of stayed learning, trying to figure out what was going on, whatever. I then realized very quickly, Quest Gaming has another opportunity to pivot. Still as an esports organization, but at the very least, let me, let me show people, content creators, competitors, and just regular gamers, how they can benefit from, I don't want to say adopting an NFT strategy, but at least understanding what NFTs could do. Maybe this is going to be a you know a financial break for somebody, or maybe another person who is a content creator thinks about how they can, uh you know, connect in a meaningful way with their community, and that's what I started doing. So Quest Gaming for the last uh, eight eight months, nine months was purely a place of education, free, and on our Discord server, anybody uh, was able to join and get a crash course in the NFTs, uh, which is namely everything that. Like I I learned, I just took all, I documented all the resources that I consumed. And then I placed it there for like, Hey, you know, if you want to take a look at what I looked at, this is where you could, you could go through it. Um, And I've since then been adding a whole bunch more resources, offering a place for people to ask questions. Um, Again, all in the spirit of, of inviting curiosity, skepticism, criticism, all of that is welcome. But above all, I really look for curious individuals that uh, that want to learn. So that's that was that second pivot. This next form, this next evolution that Quest Gaming is looking to take, is very centered on how can I disrupt the esports industry? Because uh, if you've taken a look, there's been no there's been one major esports organization that took an NFT approach. Uh, known as dignitas, D-I-G-N-I-T-A-S, and um, if you look up when they released their NFT, it was met with a lot—and I mean a lot—of negative feedback. People were very anti-NFTs, and, and if you know anyone out there that's listening, um, ask your gamer friends what they think about NFTs. I guarantee you, they have a negative uh, perception of it, well, largely be well. Uh, a lot of folks think that it's unnecessary. Why do I need, why do I need to go and, and, and adopt this technology? I think there are fair criticisms of it, which is that it's slow. I think like we, we see this today, even as a, as a regular consumer. Um, you know, eh, Ethereum, for example, if I want to buy something, I'm usually waiting about 30, to a, 30 seconds to a minute for that uh, transaction to, to successfully complete. And a lot of gamers, <laughs> as soon as I could buy, I want that in my, I want that in my inventory. ASAP. If I'm running around the world and I just mined a whole bunch of uh, diamonds, and now I want to trade those diamonds in for uh, my my in-game digital currency, which by the way has no monetary value outside of the game, even though I just spent 20 hours trying to mine those uh digital uh, trying to get that digital currency, I want to be able to do that instantly. So I think there's fair criticisms of Slowness and uh, lack of robust technology at the moment, but you know, uh, NFTs are largely uh, still in their infancy, and we still have a long way to go before we see optimized or efficient use of blockchain. And that's where like chains like Solana are really attractive—low, uh, almost negligible gas fees and instant transaction completions, uh, which is why we, I think, I see a, we'll see a lot of gaming organizations maybe. Move that way, unless Ethereum could do something with their proof of stake um, on ETH 2.0. But again, I, I don't want to get too deep uh, for our audience here. Uh, but th- these are just things to consider. So, so, so they hate it because okay, ah oh, man, I don't want to have to like be forced to buy this. I don't want to have to be forced to to accept this. Oh my god, it's so bad for the environment. It's slow. Like pe- people, a lot of gamers, unfortunately, uh, are what I call headline arguers, and this is true for. I guess I shouldn't even leave it specifically to gamers. This is true for almost 95% of the world. People read a headline and then that's it. That is the extent of my knowledge. I will use that headline in absolutely every argument that I get in as it pertains to this topic. And uh, while I could read the rest of the the article, I'd rather not because the headline tells me everything I need to say, which is NFTs are bad for the environment. It's all a scam, money laundering. And uh, if you do it, you you hate the environment. You know, I, I laugh at those things because that to me, back, back to the topic of curiosity, is a lack of curiosity. It's someone that just takes it at face value and says, OK, this is good enough for me. Gamers are the number one. They will be the biggest adopters of NFT technology. And anyone who tells you otherwise now is just someone who hasn't arguably hasn't been exposed to the depth. Of NFTs, You know, this we're talking like more than 50 hours of homework kind of deal, if, if not substantially more. There's never stopped learning in this space. Um, gamers for a long time have traded their time, 15, 16 hour days, uh, trying to earn in-game assets. Uh, we, see, we saw that with the RuneScape party hat for all my gamers out there. That was one of the most coveted items that you could hold in RuneScape. And for a long time, people were paying real world money in order to grab that. But what happens? Let's just say in the case of, of RuneScape, suddenly it shuts down. And I just spent $10,000 on acquiring this party hat. And now that the game shut down, that thing I spent ten k on is gone. I can't take it with me. I can't take it out of that game. And I can't prove that I own it. And that's because of... The kind of the larger conversation that goes on around decentralized versus centralized entities a centralized entity like any game publisher uh publisher studio or uh infrastructure or rather like organization that maintains infrastructure so i think about big tech companies like amazon google ibm um if any of those go under the water whatever's running on those systems are gone and whatever money you spend on those systems are gone because you don't own it I think about Apple music as, a, as an example to kind of have a, a slight pivot about five years ago, maybe a little bit longer uh, there was a, a huge dilemma where there was a gentleman who uh, was like on his deathbed and that you could like I will look this up and I'll send you the resource for your audience to like review but it was a story of a gentleman who was like basically on his deathbed and in his will he wrote like, hey, you know, I want my entire iTunes library for everyone who was still using it. I want my entire iTunes library to go to my kids, okay? Seems like a pretty fair request. Okay, like, sure, he just has to send over the credentials and they got access to all the music. And Apple came back and said, absolutely not. You do not own any of that music. In this library, this guy had well over 20,000 songs. And let's just say that each of them are a dollar each. That's maybe 20K spent on digital music, But he wasn't able to move it anywhere, even if it was right to his kids, because Apple came back saying, nope, you did not buy the song. You bought a license to the song. And now that you are going to die, you are removing yourself of access to that license. And if your kids would like to have these licenses, they can pay
0: for it. Right. That's a great example of NFT technology and how ownership over assets can be beneficial let me cut you off quest and ask you our signature last question sure if there was one thing you could do to improve this world what would you do and why
1: one thing that i would do to improve the world of nfts or just like the world in general like (laughs) um oh man i would i would ask the world to be I would ask the world to, to ask better questions, to be more curious, to, to to think more, to ask why more, to wonder more, to dream more. I just think that there's a lot of folks that take things at face value and they miss out on an opportunity to learn about, at the very least, like widen their perspective. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that everything in life is going to be rainbows and, and sunshine. Um mm-hmm. But you know, my my pops told me, you know, show me the good, show me the bad, and then I'll make my choice from there. But no matter what, like the 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 breadth of perspective, that's that's a that's what I would ask. That's what I think would make things better, broadening your horizons.
0: Love that answer. That was really good. All right, Quez, awesome seeing you again. Thanks for sharing your insights. I'm gonna chop this up, make it a little highlight clip and i'll share that with you in the world
1: i'm super excited again i apologize i talk a lot so i just going crazy on the <laughs> uh, on the on the talking there good but that's th- i think i was gonna say man thank you so much for bringing me on i was looking forward for this uh this session with you sorry for my little technical difficulties at the beginning but i'm really happy we were able to get this done i'm proud of you all the things that you do, I love capturing your content on Twitter when you ask these questions. By the way, yeah, like good. That. Yeah, hell yeah. You're the question of the day, absolutely. I look forward to that pretty much every day. Really? So, Why? Yeah. Why? Because you ask really good questions, and I reflect on it. I well, I, I'm a very introspective person. Uh, I like to kind of refine myself as often as possible. And you ask you a little bit. You ask very good questions that someone who is reflective would uh, reflect on so thank you for asking those questions
0: my pleasure that's the goal that's the purpose of these questions to hopefully inspire someone to reflect and think
1: big i've been doing that since day one ever since i saw your stuff man so awesome i never stop
0: great to see you my amigo nos hablamos pronto okay
1: dale man. Un abrazo. un abrazo bye
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Quez Vasquez. I learned a lot about NFTs and the gaming industry and what is esports. If you enjoyed this episode, please Please give me some love. Let me know your thoughts. Leave a comment, a review. That helps me a lot and the podcast and helps it grow. Have a great day and see you later.